Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the separation of the language groups as we pick up in Genesis chapter 11, verse 9. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. Now, after the separation into the basic language groups, there, of course, have become modifications even within the same language or generalized language. We find the Romance languages and similarities between the Spanish and the Portuguese and the Italian and the French. We find that there is certain similarities between the German and and Scandinavian. We find that English is a language that has borrowed much from Latin and from Greek. So there have been developed languages from the basic language systems. But God divided their languages and instantly they no doubt got together in groups that they could communicate to the family groups and so forth, where they could communicate to each other, but it caused the division and the separation and that spreading out then into the world and scattering abroad upon the face of the earth that is described. Now, we're going to zero in down to Abraham because that's where our story must move. So these are the generations of Shem, getting now again a repetition of the generations of Shem, but moving definitely just down towards Abraham. He was 100 years old, and he begat Arphaxad two years after the flood. He lived after he begat Arphaxad 500 years, and he begat sons and daughters. So he lived to be about 600 years old, approximately. Arphaxad had lived five, 35 years, begat Salah, and we get, uh, he begat Eber, and we follow uh, down to Abraham, and actually that's the one where we're coming to. So let's go on to verse 26. Terah lived 70 years, and he begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now, whether or not this is the order in which they were born, we do not know. Whether or not, you know, how old was Terah when Abraham was born, we do not know. Maybe he was the third son. Uh, We have no way of knowing. But he lived 70 years, and he had these three sons, Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. Now, he lived after that for many years also. Now, these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abraham, Nahor, and Haran, And Haran begat Lot. And Haran died before his father Terah in the land of the nativity in the earth of the Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor took them wives. So their brother Haran died early, having married and born one son, Lot. He actually bore some daughters too. Uh, And they took wives, and the name of Abram's wife was Sarah, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah, for she was also the daughter of of Haran, so he married his niece. And the father of Milcah and the father of Iscah. But Sarah was barren and she had no child. And Terah took Abraham, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran. So 
with Haran dead, Lot being his son, Abram sort of adopted Lot because Abram didn't have any sons of his own. So he sort of adopted Lot and Lot became a uh, journeyer with Abram. But they all together went from the Ur of the Chaldees. Now it was in the Ur of the Chaldees in this area where this false religious systems, be pantheism and polytheism and all, began to develop and the perverted religious systems and so they left the Ur of the Chaldees to go to the land of Canaan and they came to Haran and dwelt there. Now the fact that they all left to go to Canaan means that in the beginning it could be that Abraham's father also received a call of God to leave and get out of this area that had begun to become religiously polluted and to come into a whole new area. But Terah, uh, they came as far as Haran, and there they dwelt. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now, there is a seeming contradiction of Scripture here. When you get into the New Testament and Stephen is uh, talking about Abraham being called of God to leave the Ur of the Chaldees and to go to uh, Israel, how that after he said Terah died, Abraham then went on to Canaan. But when you start putting the ages together, you find that Abram actually left. If, if, if Terah lived to be uh, 205 years old and he was 70 years old when Abram was born, then, and Abram was 75 when he left, the 75 and the 70 makes 145 years, and yet he lived to be 205 years old. So you have a discrepancy in mathematics here. So what is the solution or what is the answer? There are a couple possible suggestions. Number one, Abraham may not have been the firstborn son. They may not be listed in the order of their births, but in the order of the precedence of their sons. And Abraham could have been born many years after, in other words, 70 years, and maybe Haram was born when he was 70 years old. And it doesn't give his age at the time of Abraham's birth. That's one possibility. So that Abraham was sort of a late child and that indeed uh, by the time he was 75, his father was 205 years old. It's very possible. Another possibility is that Stephen is talking in sort of a spiritual sense that he died. You remember one day a young fellow came to Jesus and said, I'll follow you, but allow me first to go bury my father. And Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead. Come and follow me. Now, they let me first bury my father was a common term. It didn't mean that his father was dead. It isn't that Jesus is showing a disrespect for a father who had died. But it is a term whereby a person was saying, I don't want to do it now. I want to wait until my father dies. It's just a, a term of procrastination or putting something off until later. 
In other words, I want to do it later. Wait till my father dies. Your father can be alive and healthy. He may be good for another 50, 60 years. But it was a term of procrastination, a common term of procrastination. Now, knowing the use of Jesus in this term and the ideas that were given by it, it could be that Stephen is using it in the same sense and that Terah, when they came to Haran, died spiritually because Terah began to actually apostatize and became also a worshiper of false gods. So it could be that he's referring to the spiritual death of Terah when he turned into spiritual apostasy, and it was at that point when Terah spiritually was dead unto God that Abraham realized he had to make his journey alone, and he took off with his with Lot and the servants and so forth and his wife Sarah, and they began then to journey on to the land that God had promised to show him. Actually, going from the area of the Ur of the Chaldees, going to Haran, they were going about 600 miles north, west. It was about 400 miles from Haran down to the land of Canaan, to the area of Shechem, where he was ultimately to end up. But Abraham started off journeying in obedience to God from the earth of the Chaldees. They're, they stopped with his father. It could be that his dad said, hey, this is good. Let's settle here. Let's settle in this area. It's nice. It's, you know, it's, it's productive and all. Let's settle here. And there was a spiritual death of Terah through the call of God and awareness of God. There was a spiritual death, and Stephen could be referring to that. When Terah died, then that spiritual death, Abraham realized that he had to leave now his father and that family and journey on by himself to the land that God had promised to show him. So don't cast off your faith because of a bit of mathematics here. There are possible explanations for it, and which one is correct, of course, we don't know. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy family. So Abraham really wasn't totally disobedient at this point. And, and this to me is interesting because Abraham is always held as the model of faith in the New Testament. The model of a man who believed and trusted God. He's the prime example of a man who believes. And so many times when we read about faith and the exploits of faith, we think, oh, but I'm so weak and I've blown it so many times. Surely I can't do it. It's good to know that Abraham wasn't perfect. Nor was his faith perfect. It's good to know that you don't have to be perfect and your faith doesn't have to be perfect for God to honor you. So God said, get away from your family. He took his dad with him from the year of the Chaldees to Haran. It was an incomplete obedience. Stopping at Haran was incomplete obedience to God. So even men noted as men of faith have their moments. And just because you slip back and have your moments doesn't mean that God won't honor you and honor your faith or that God doesn't love you and wants to still work in a powerful way in your life just because you blow it 
and you stop at Haran. It doesn't mean that the call of God is going to be removed and there's no chance for you to go on and fulfill that which God has laid upon your life and your heart to do. Many people have stopped at Haran. But the time came for him to move on, which he did. Maybe the time has come for you to move on from your Haran. The Lord said, Get thee out of thy country, from thy father's family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. So by the very virtue of the fact that Terah went with him, it could be the old man was saying, Oh, no, don't leave. I, I, you know, well, I want to go with you, son. Well, it could be Abraham was just saying, Well, okay, Dad, all right. You know, and, and he could have been weak in this area. But then his dad began to drag him down and slow him down until his father died spiritually following after the pagan practices, and Abraham moved on. I will make of thee, God said, a great nation. Now God is establishing covenant with Abraham. You get away from your family, your father's house, a land that I'll show you. I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. All of these promises God fulfilled to Abraham. He made of him a great nation. God has blessed him and made the name of Abraham great. It's honored and respected. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And from that is the promise that the Messiah would come from Abraham. In thee, all the families of the earth, not just the Jews, but all the families of the earth, will be blessed from Abraham's progeny, even Jesus Christ. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarah his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go to the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. 400-mile journey, which in those days, uh, with all of the animals and everything else, must have taken quite a long time indeed. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Shechem, unto the plain of Moreh, and the Canaanites, or the descendants of Canaan, were then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there he built an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. Now the promise of giving the land to Abram's seed at this point would also include the Palestinians. Because... The Arabs also were descendants of Abram through Ishmael. So at this point, the land is promised not just to the Jews, but also to thy seed, which would include the Arabs, Palestinians. But later on, when God repeats it to Jacob, it excludes the Arabs. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai, or Ai on the east. Now when Joshua came in later to conquer the land, uh, this, he came up from Jericho and conquered Ai and then onto Bethel. 
Abraham now has a favorite spot there near Bethel and between Bethel and Ai. It's the highest part of, of, of the land in that particular area. It gives you just a fabulous view. It's about 10 miles north of Jerusalem and about 20 miles or so from Shechem. But from there, you can see down into the Jordan Valley. You can see up towards the area of Samaria. You can see Jerusalem and the area south. You can look over towards the Mediterranean. It just is a beautiful vantage point in that mountainous area between Bethel and Ai. And when Abraham came uh, to this area, he built an altar. And the Lord appeared unto Abraham and said unto thy seed, I give this sign, and he built this altar unto the Lord and called on the name of the Lord and Abram journeyed going on down now to the south. And there was a famine in the land, so Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was grievous in the land, so there was a drought in the land. Of course, he went on south towards Beersheba. There's always a drought down there. This place is really dry. It's deserty. And it came to pass when he was come near to Egypt that he said to Sarah, his wife, now here's our great man of faith, our example. Behold, now I know that you're a beautiful woman to look upon. Hey, that's saying a lot to your wife when she's 65 years old. <laughs> but because of the longevity at 65, you were still really, you know, in, in your prime of youth, in a sense, or beauty. Uh, Abram lived to be over 160, so uh, at 65, you're really not that old yet in those times. But it, it does, you know, when you think of 65 years old and talking about her great beauty, uh, do, it does sound indeed very interesting. I know that you're a beautiful woman to look upon. Therefore, when it comes to pass, when the Egyptians will see you, they will say, this is his wife and they will kill me and keep you alive. They'll take you into their harems. Now, this was a common practice among the Egyptian kings, is to just, if a man, if he saw, if he saw a beautiful woman, he'd kill her husband and, and, and take her as his wife. And uh, so he said, I pray that uh, you'll tell them that you are my sister, that it might be well with me for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. Hey, this is our great man of faith, Abraham. You see, even great men of faith have their weaknesses and their moments. Now that encourages me for some silly reason because I also have my moments of weaknesses. But I have the concept that when I get weak, God just says, all right, that's it, you had your chance, you know, wipe out. <laughs> but not so. God continued to honor Abraham. God continued to bless Abraham. He wasn't perfect. God doesn't use perfect people because they don't exist. So don't worry that you're not perfect. Don't think that God is going to reject you because you're not perfect. Don't think that God can't use you because you're not perfect. God blessed Abraham. God used Abraham, though he had his lapses of faith just like we have our lapses of faith. So it came to pass that when Abram was come to Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very beautiful. And the princes also of Pharaoh saw her, and they commended her before the Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into the Pharaoh's house. 
And he had treated Abraham, he treated Abraham well for her sake. And he had sheep and oxen and asses, men servants, maid servants, she asses, camels. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. And the Pharaoh called Abram and said, What have you done to me? Why didn't you tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? I might have taken her to be my wife. Now behold, your wife, take her, go your way. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away and his wife and all that he had. So he, he came under then a special protective edict of the Pharaoh so that uh, he would not fall prey to the men in order that they might take Sarah, his wife. So an introduction now to Abraham. We're beginning now to follow, and we will from now on follow Abraham as we come on down towards Christ as the Bible now is the developing of the nation and from the nation the coming forth of the Savior of the world. return with more of our verse-by-verse -verse Bible study in the book of Genesis on our next broadcast, as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Genesis 11 through 12 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse -verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. God bless you and enrich your heart and your mind and the things of the Spirit, giving you understanding of His Word. And may God increase your faith and your knowledge and understanding of Him. God go with you and bless you and watch over you and keep you in all your ways, strengthening you and ministering to you through His love in Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. God is looking for someone that he can use to accomplish his purposes on this earth. The apostles were more than willing to be used by the Lord. So what was it that gave them the certain spiritual characteristics necessary to be used by God and to be a powerful, godly influence to change the world? Well, in a book entitled The Man God Uses, Pastor Chuck Smith brings the scriptures to life as he examines the book of Acts. 
He reveals the secret to the apostles' boldness, the five essential components of prayer, and the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. So if you've ever wanted to accomplish more for the kingdom of God and to be an instrument that he can use, then I encourage you to pick up a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, The Man God Uses. To order a copy of this book in print or download a digital copy, please visit thewordfortoday.org or call the word for today at 800-272-9673.